the 12 years that I've been doing the Bible study in the prison has really helped me because I have found my own voice. I have found a message that resonates with people. And that's why I made the shift from doing the voice of work, as you said. I was sharing somebody else's message and I realized, wait a minute, I have a message that I need to share. Welcome to the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm Amber Furman, recovering perfectionist and serial accomplisher. If you're anything like I used to be, you've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do, and now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. Our guest today is somebody who does this connecting with people on a spiritual level without making them feel the way that I felt growing up when it came to religion. And that will all make sense to you later as we get into this podcast. My guest is James Early. He's a Bible teacher, author, speaker, blogger, podcaster. Since 2018, he's actually had a weekly Bible study ministry at the Federal Correction Institution in Danbury, Connecticut. He gives talks and conducts workshops on the Bible covering a wide range of topics to churches and groups as well um, at that prison. Um, He grew up in Texas. He lives in Connecticut now, and he's had this wide range of opportunities in his background. He's done sales and marketing and voiceover work, and it was actually his time in voiceover work that led him to want to share his message instead of voiceovering for somebody else's. I'm really excited to share with you James's podcast, The Bible Speaks to You. And this is the first time I've had a guest on that is in the religious and spiritual space. And the reason that I invited James on is because he's so great at connecting and so great at sharing his story and his journey and his mission that I know that you're going to have some amazing things to learn from him. I'm really excited to bring James on. Before we do, I wanted to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Success Development Solutions. If you are somebody who's still trying to find that magic pill, that moment that everything's going to fall into place, if you feel like you're doing all the right stuff or you've accomplished all the things you're supposed to accomplish and life just doesn't feel fulfilled the way that you thought it would, then the Design Your Life Mastermind is for you. It's a monthly mastermind where we dig into a different book each month that will give you the tools, resources, and connections to help you design a life you've always wanted. If that sounds like something that you're interested in, if you're ready to connect with like-minded people, to meet amazing authors, and to really start to gain the tools to have the life you've always wanted, click on the Calendly link in the show notes below so that we can have a conversation and you can start living the life you deserve. With that being said, let's go ahead and bring James into this conversation. James, how are you doing today? 
Hey, I'm great, Amber. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited for this episode. And, you know, I mentioned it in the intro that I've actually, you know, I feel like we grow up and we say the things you don't talk about at the dinner table are religion and politics, right? And then I'm in the <laughs> law. So I talk about real politics all the time. And I've never had anybody on here that's done what you do in in the religious space. And, and I hesitate to say that because I don't really see you as in the religious space. I see you as in the spiritual space and the connection space. And, and it's no secret, you and I have talked about this often, that I feel like you have this amazing way of connecting. So my first question to you is, have you always felt like that? Have you always felt like you just had a way of connecting with people and um, putting them at ease for the things that were going on around them? Or is that something that came later on for you? Oh, that's a really good question. And before I do that, I want to thank you for that great introduction. I hope I can live up to all the good things you said about me. I just want to make one tiny correction. Um, actually, I've been doing the Bible studies at the prison since 2008 instead of 2018. So, Oh, if I, yeah. mis I misspoke. I'm so sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No no worries. It's just it's been, it's been about 12 years now or so. So anyway. Thank you for I, that. I think your question is really good because it has been um, a long, drawn-out process for me being comfortable in my own skin, being comfortable with my own gifts and talents or lack thereof. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I can remember I always wanted to kind of do those kinds of things. I remember in junior high school, there was a workshop for the speech team because my sister was on the speech team and I thought, oh, that sounds cool. I'd like to do that. I went and I was supposed to stand up and just read a little short story or a poem or something in front of of, you know, like six or seven people, my knees were knocking together so bad. <laughs> I, I couldn't hardly get through. I mean, I was, it was not just a little bit, every, they were, it was like a six to 12 inch wobble. <laughs> <laughs> you're dancing while and you're trying to, basically, yeah. And so my, uh, the, well, the people that were, the um, high schoolers who were conducting this workshop, they were so, supportive and they just focused on the things that I did well awesome. and then when I was in high school and I joined the speech team a couple of years later I gave a speech first first speech in speech class and the speech teacher said James you need to use your innate abilities and I didn't know what the word innate meant <laughs> So I embarrassed myself in front of the class. I said, what does that mean? She said, that means what you're born with, your natural, your natural abilities. And I'd always had a pretty negative view of myself. That was the first glimpse I got where somebody out, you know, somebody objective could see something in me that I couldn't see for myself. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, um, she saw something. She saw talents and abilities that were there that, you know, I sort of maybe hoped they were there. But I didn't know how to get them out or I, I was unsure of myself, that sort of thing. And she worked with me and she helped me develop my skills. She helped me practice and practice. And I went in on to win a bunch of uh, awards at various speech contests and that sort of thing. So that gave me a, a first step in that whole process. But I think over the years, separating out uh, what, you know, the world what we think the world is demanding of us or expects of us or wants us to do or how we're supposed to respond in a situation or what we're supposed to think, what we're supposed supposed to look like, all those things, and finding my own voice and 
uh, the the 12 years that I've been doing the Bible study in the prison has really helped me because I have found my own voice. I have found a message that resonates with people. And that's why I made the shift from doing the voice of work, as you said. I was sharing somebody else's message and I realized, wait a minute, I have a message that I need to share. I have something of value. And so now I'm doing that with my podcast and I'm working on some other projects. I'm working on a book and maybe some coaching and we'll see. I don't know where this is all going to go, but I feel like God has given, well, he gives all of us a purpose, a voice, a message. We find it slowly sometimes. And just in the last six months or so, that message has become much more crystallized and clear in my thinking. And uh, yeah, so yeah. I, I th- and, and in one way, that's a culmination, but in another way, it's just the beginning of, okay, let's get on with it now. Right? Oh my gosh, there's so much in what you just said. First of all, you warmed my heart because when you said that somebody around you saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself, like we all need that person. Oh yeah. And just before we recorded, I was on the phone with that person for me, um, who is my obstacle course trainer. And I will never forget being so broken and so insecure and wanting to run these obstacle course races. And the obstacle course was just a metaphor for my life. Like all the things that I didn't think I could do these walls. Like I didn't realize that I was, every time I climbed over a wall on this course, I was climbing over a wall in my life as well. (laughs) And I'll never forget. I'd been training with him for about six months and I kept falling off this obstacle and it was almost like I was just letting go. And he looked at me and he says, Amber, the moment that you have as much belief in yourself as I do, you're going to change the world. Oh my gosh. And it's powerful. It's moments like that and people like that and people that you experienced that unlock something in us that allow us to go on and do the things that we're called to do, which I think is so fantastic. Oh, that is so, so powerful. And, you know, I bet, I mean, I'm almost. 110% sure that you do that for other people. I would certainly hope so. No, I'm sure um, you do because, and and the fact is we can do it for others. I know I have had those kind of moments with other people where I have helped them see something in them, but we need somebody to do it for us. We can't do it all ourselves. And I think, yeah. it, it, you know, it goes in a circle sometimes. Yeah, 100%. And I'm glad that you said that because we we start to get to a point as we rise of thinking, I should be better than this. I should know better than this. I should act better than this, right? Um, you you do something well, and then one day you mess up on it, or you don't you don't get um, everything on your task list done, or you don't get all the leadership learnings that you want to get, and you think, man, I've I've done all the work. I should be better than this, and we forget that we need those people to help us see our own blocks <laughs> to be like, Hey, like you're yeah. human, remember you're human. Yeah. That's handy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right. So the prison, let's talk about that for just a minute, because I, you know, that in my other life, I'm a criminal defense attorney and, right. um, the people that I meet, like they're just people that have made really bad choices and, and sometimes get forgotten about 
And then you go into the prison and you work with them in whatever capacity, whether it's religious or not, spiritual or not, you're just treating them like a human being. Like how has this impacted you as a person to be on the other side of that? Oh, that's such a good question, Amber. Um, I remember about 15 years ago when a lady asked me to join her in this prison ministry, this very one that I'm doing now. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to go in there with all those criminals. I didn't personally feel like I had much to offer because I've been pretty, uh, I've been pretty much a straight arrow, at least on the outside, you know, I never got messed up with drugs or, or, you know, all these things, all these challenges, a lot of people have had. And so I felt like if I went into the prison, you know, why should they listen to me? I have never experienced the things that they would have. And so I said, no, well, about three years later, someone who had taken over from that lady asked me, and I was in a different space spiritually and emotionally and my maturity and all that. And I instantly said, oh, yeah, sure. Oh, well, well, let me pray about, about it first. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I really, I mean, I already knew the answer that it was, it was the right time for me. And so getting in there, I realized very quickly that the people that I was working with at least, and they were coming, I mean, if you're in prison, you're coming to a Bible study, it's because either you want to keep nurturing your faith or you want to rediscover your faith or you're curious about, so you're looking for improvement some way um, to grow spiritually. And so that's sort of a self-selected group of people that I've been working with. I also do another class with the chaplain. It's not, um, it's not denominational based. It's well, it's not just Christian based. I mean, it's any faith, um, and it's a reentry program. So there, we're, I'm, we're not teaching people in the Bible. We're just teaching them how to live when once they get out. Yeah. But again, those are people that have decided that they want help. So those kind of people, they there's a there's a quality of thought there in their in their hearts that they want help. They know they need help, and you can work with that. And I realized in getting to know these people over many years now, they're people. And yeah. they have made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. I just haven't done anything that, you know, was bad enough to go to prison or. Or got caught, right? Yeah. And so, but I, I have come to appreciate the, the peopleness of these folks, the, the humanity there and that you, you get. I, I never ask what their crime was. That's none of my business because I don't want to associate that with them. And we actually trained not to do that. But I do sometimes get their backstory of how they were brought up, how they may have been abused emotionally or physically uh, as children. Sometimes they've been abused by their churches. Uh, I had a woman one time who she grew up in a church where it, she was never allowed to ask questions. When I was you know, in high school, especially, I had all kinds of deep theological questions. And uh, she was never allowed to ask those because that meant, oh, she wasn't being faithful. And so she had some real hangups because of that. And, you know, we, we talked about that a lot and, and she found some answers. But I came to see that um, I've come to see them as people that have a heart and have needs and have emotions and have value. Um, and 
it's it's wonderful to see the uh, the support community within the prison among the inmates, how they all help it. Well, you know, it's like any community. There are those who stand out as someone they can go to for help, emotional support or whatever. It's a little microcosm of a society in its own way. It's a very different society, but it's it's uh, it has helped me see everybody as people. And there may be CEOs of companies in there because of white collar crime or something. And it's helped me realize I'm not impressed nearly as much as I used to be with what somebody's position or title was, what their background is, what their race or religion is. I just try to see everyone as a child of God and no. treat, treat them with love and respect. Hello. That shouldn't be so hard. It shouldn't be. And this is one of the reasons that you and I connect so much is because. And, and, let, me, and, let, this, and, and let me add, or whether they're a member of my church or not. I mean, that's not right. the point. <laughs> and, and this is where I'm going. So before I say this, there are a lot of people in the religion that I was raised in that are still there and still practice. And that's great for them. Um, I my experiences are my experiences alone. So if you don't agree with what I'm going to say, I appreciate you don't agree with them, but they're my experiences. Right. And um, I always felt so judged. And what you say about um, never being able to ask questions, I always felt like that. Like we don't, we don't ask questions. I remember, and I shared this with you individually, but I remember when I found this new church that I'm a member of now and I walked in for the first time and I sat down and for the first time in church, somebody said to me, I know that there's people sitting in the audience who don't know what they believe in. That's okay. We're here to help you figure it out. And I thought, where is more of this in the world? Right? <laughs> so when you say that you're meeting with these people and you don't care what religion they are and you don't care what their background is. And, and the only thing that you want is to help them feel understood seen and teach them life skills that will allow them to be productive members of society. How can that be wrong in any sense, regardless of religion? Well, I think it takes a higher perspective to see that. I think sometimes, um, especially in the religious spirituality field, people are trying to convince everybody that their brand of theology is the only correct one. And I used to be guilty of that, you know, 30 or 40 years ago. <laughs> and that's been a slow maturing process as well. But um, I think when you can start to see a bigger picture, how we're all connected, we're all God's children, regardless of what church you're a member of or not a member of a church at all. It just, uh, I don't know. I feel like God has step by step brought me to this place why other people aren't more receptive to that, I don't know. It's hard to it's it makes such perfect sense to me. And I've tried to <laughs> I've I've tried to help other people see that. Um I mean, I like a good theological discussion, but debating and trying to prove everybody's wrong but you, that that's not what Jesus did. He yeah. didn't come, I mean, he disagreed with some of the practices of the religious leaders of his day, but he didn't argue theology with people. He just let them know how much God loved them. He taught them basic truths of uh, who they were as a child of God. I mean, that's a very simplistic way to put it. Uh, but he 
he was there telling them he had he saw these people he was, was compassionate toward them he was trying to help them he wasn't trying to you know grind them into the ground with how terrible they were yeah and, and i and i think and he knew they were he knew they had problems he knew they had challenges he didn't he didn't pretend like they didn't have things to work out but he could see behind that facade of wherever they were in their life at that point he could see i think well, way back in the very first chapter of the Bible in Genesis, it says that God made us in his image and likeness. And then the world comes along and throws a bunch of mud on that, and we forget who we really are as God's children made in his image and likeness. That's pretty amazing to be the image and likeness of, well, I think of God as infinite love. I mean, that's very different from you're a miserable sinner. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, there's so much that's going through my head. The more that I really allow myself to step into my spiritual relationship, the more that I see and hear all of the things that I needed to see and hear in the business world, which is so crazy to me. Interesting. Um, when I go to church now and I walk out, I walk out with ideas that I want to bring into my mastermind. Oh, that's cool. Out of this context because they're so relevant in the way that it's taught. So when you say this, what I hear from an entrepreneurial and business standpoint is that we are all born with this perfect innocence and this gift and this purpose. And then the people around us convince us why that's not possible and why we shouldn't act that way or we shouldn't be so loud or we shouldn't be so so seen uh, we can't you know whatever that that conversation is and eventually in order to shape ourselves to societal standards we put ourselves in a box and then we spend the rest of our life trying to break out of that box to re-embrace what we are supposed to be providing to the world, which is every entrepreneur's journey, right? Pretty much in, in different forms. But um, yeah, we we have to get what I call the mud that the world has thrown on us. And sometimes we jump in the mud ourselves and we think we enjoy it for a while, but it it's not who we really are. Yeah. And I think to me, back to this sense of finding your purpose, it's like, who... Who am I really underneath all those layers? What is at the core of my being of what I have to give, what I have to offer, uh, what I can receive? And um, that to me is part of what life is all about is to discover that and then do something with it. Run with it, you know, pick up the That's torch and run. Part, right. Yeah. So that's what I want to ask you about here. There's so many questions going through my mind right now. I have to sort them. <laughs> so first, um, what what you're talking about is not. I'm, I'm not going to say not popular, but definitely not overly common in the religious and spiritual world. How much resistance have you caught in? your circle and how have you been able to push that aside and say your opinions are yours this is what i need to be doing 
Oh, wow. I'm not quite sure how to answer that question. Uh, I have several circles, I guess you could say, like the circle within my church, my denomination, as well as the greater Christian community, as well as, you know, the whole world. So um, I think sometimes even within my little local church, when I have an idea, not everybody thinks it's a great idea. I have had my ideas voted down at church. <laughs> uh, and that's okay. Uh, you know, it's our church is very democratic. And so, you know, I have voted. Sometimes things are voted for. Sometimes they're voted against. That's okay. Um, but I've realized, I used to get upset by that, but I've realized that, you know, I still can be who I am. I don't need somebody else's permission to do what I feel is my purpose and be who I am. And I don't need to wait for a group of people to, to say, okay, James, you can do this now, because if you're waiting for somebody else, um, it never works. Uh, there's this wonderful book. I haven't read it. My wife has, it's called the artist's way. I don't know if you've read that. I haven't yet. I've heard of it though. It's anyway, there's a, a phrase in there where I think she says, you have to give yourself permission uh, that's the paraphrase of it. In the greater Christian circle, you know, there are there are some people I know who are very much on board with, you know, we all have different perspectives and, and we need to learn and appreciate that. There are others who still feel that they're the only true uh, way to preach uh, the Bible or whatever. And, um, you know, no place in the Bible does it say that it's your theology that gets you into heaven. <laughs> it's God's love. It's God's grace. You know, uh, people argue over theology, but that's so I I just kind of, I don't necessarily avoid those, but I don't pursue those kinds of conversations or those kind of contacts because I want to work with the people who realize we need all the different voices. All the different voices can work together. And that's one thing I try to promote is, okay, you and I don't agree on everything theologically or in the way we go put it into practice in our daily lives. But what are the things that we can agree on? In, in my case, it would be that Jesus is the, is the son of God, you know, and, and after that, we can get really complicated in our you know, what we believe theologically, but to me, that's not so important as, okay, fine. This is the way you are looking at that. Go for it. This is the way I'm looking, but I'm reaching people. You aren't, you're reaching people. I'm not, we actually go back to that bigger perspective. There's a bigger picture going on that we're actually all working together. And we should appreciate that in one another instead of complain. It's like, I don't know, what your listeners are familiar with in the Bible, but there's this wonderful analogy of uh, referring to the Christian church, or it could be any group really, or all mankind. But uh, St. Paul refers to the Christian church as the body of Christ. And he, it's used, it's a metaphor. And he talks about the right hand and the left hand. And he talks about the foot and the hand. You can't have a whole body if you only have a hand. And I think the problem is some Christians, or you could say politicians or whatever group or, they're in. But Yeah. Like I, yeah. my head is reeling right now with what you're talking about, because again, everything's relevant. And I'm just thinking about all of the, all the business owners out there who think that they have to compete with one another. You're going to attract different people than I do. You know, when I, when I embraced what you just said, when I embraced that, the idea of competition 
it no longer exists. Like we're never competing with anybody. We're working together as a society, as a organization, as a, as a group, whatever you are to try to impact the most amount of people. Like when that is the focus, everything else falls into place. And yeah, you're so right, Amber. And, um, back to this analogy about the body, I think sometimes somebody that feels like they're a right hand in the body of, of the church, they're trying to, they look down at the left foot and they think, well, you don't look like me. You must not really be a true Christian. And so they're trying to convert somebody else to be like they are when actually they need that left foot or they wouldn't be able to get, <laughs> they wouldn't be able to get. And so it's true in the business world too. Uh, my kids were in uh, something called First Robotics. I don't know if you're familiar. Vaguely. I, well, it was started But I don't by, think all the listeners are, so let's talk about okay, it. Is. Okay, so First Robotics um, was started by a fellow named Dean Kamen. He's the one who invented the Segway. And there was another guy. They were from MIT. They're engineers. And this was like 25 or 30 years ago now that they started this program. And every year, it's for high school uh, kids, every year they um, have a six-week challenge to build a robot to do a certain task. It's different every year. And so they have these these competitions. It's really like a sporting event. It's just a it's a robotics sporting event. But it's three teams are on the red team and three teams are on the blue team and they compete. Those are not uh, political red and red and blue. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to start rethinking colors. We're not yeah, gonna yeah, be able to be red and blue. No, no, it's ridiculous. Anyway, so so in one match, you might have team 12 with twi- team 100, but then on the next match, those two teams would be opposing each other. And so all throughout the competition, maybe say there's six uh, event, six uh, rounds, you, sometimes you're working with somebody, sometimes they're on the other team. And he coined a phrase, he actually got it copyrighted or trademarked, called cooperation. I love it. And it is not wonderful because to give you the most supreme example of this, one time at the international final meet one year, um, a team showed up and their robot was lost. It didn't show up. You have to ship them in these big crates. And, you know, there was like a day or two before the competition started. All the teams came together. The, The team had their specs on computer. They had the CAD drawings and they had, and so all the teams came together. They all had spare parts and they helped this team rebuild their robot because everybody was there to help each other. Now you still have the spirits, spirit of real competition, you know, with certain teams, but um, it's, it was a beautiful thing to see. And that's one of the things Dean Kamen wanted to do was promote that. Well, he wanted to increase the, the, um, the level of math and sciences uh, with high school kids. And he starts actually back with a program when they're in grade school called Junior Lego League. And you do these little things with Legos. You have a tiny little robot with Legos. And you do this little, you know, thing. And so I want to go back to elementary school. Yeah, I've never wanted to go back to elementary school so much (laughs) in my life. Yeah. So so anyway, but the whole idea is that he felt like if if different industries or within an industry can cooperate and and 
do things together, you can do so much more good. Yeah. You can it's, you collaborate. It's just so much better. It is. And I mean, it's it's the sports videos that we see, you know, the sportsmanship. There's one that's coming to my mind right now. And and I don't remember exactly what I think it was a college softball world series, if I'm right. Um, but the one of the um team, the team hit a home run to win the game. And on her way to first, she blew out her ACL. Did you see this video? No. So on her way to first, she blew out her ACL. But even when you hit a home run, you have to touch all the bases. And she couldn't walk. And it was the game-winning home run. And in order, your team can't help you. And the other team carried her. Oh, my put gosh. her foot down on every base. Oh, my gosh. Because she had earned it. And oh my like it, it makes me tear up every time I even tell oh, the story. Yeah, and I get totally. But that's exactly what we're talking about, right? Like how I don't want to, even mm. in sports, I don't want to win just because I won. Because some, I want to win because I actually won, right? Because right, I, right. Because I, I worked harder and I was, I, I performed better. And and on that particular day, you know, I don't want to win because some poor girl blows out her knee and, and I'm like, well, it sucks to be you. Right. So, um, <laughs> I, I think that that, what did you call it? Co cooperation. Yeah. I was trying to get the words to come out. I love it so much. So this cooperation is the new way that we're running business and life. And apparently, you know, religion. Um, oh, hopefully. So, hopefully. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I, I brought you on because number one, your, your take on this is just so unique to me. Number two, you're an incredible human that we've connected multiple times. And every single time we talk, I feel like I leave with something new. Um, but number three, just this, this, love for people and seeing growth. And I'm curious to know the impact that you get to see on these individuals that you're working with, particularly in the prison, but I'm open to any example. Do they stay in contact with you when they're released? Are you, do you, or do they go off and live their life? Like, what is that journey like? Do you get to see the after effects? You know, I wish I did. There's actually a policy at the prison that says, uh, someone like me who's going in to volunteer and work with the, the inmates <clears throat> cannot have any contact with them for a certain amount of period, certain period of time, um, depending on what their situation was. They used to say it was six months or a year, but now apparently it's it's based on either how long they were incarcerated or what their crime was. So I have not had any contact really, maybe one exception, I have not been able to follow up. And I would have loved to because the people I have, maybe for a year or two in a Bible study, you get to be close to them. I feel like these are my brothers and sisters. I wish I could know you. And I tell that them sometimes. Uh, so it's, it's tough, uh, but I have seen an impact when they're in my group long enough in prison. Uh, I have seen an impact. And I'll go back to this woman that I mentioned who, um, was not allowed to ask questions in church. She only first came to the Bible study because her roommate was coming and she said, Oh, come here, Mr. Early. Uh, he's great. He's not like these other people. <laughs> you know, they were just trying to, 
indoctrinate them. I'm not trying to indoctrinate anybody to to how I think. I'm trying to help them think, learn to think for themselves anyway. So she came and she sort of had some chips on her shoulder because of, you know, her experience with church. And she shared that story. I said, oh, well, I love questions. What are some of your questions? And so for the next two years, almost every day, every week that she she was there, she would ask a question. And when she would, all the other ladies would sort of roll their eyes because they know they'd say, oh, here we go. Sometimes we wouldn't even get to the lesson that I had prepared because she had really deep, thoughtful, theological questions that would have been appropriate to ask in seminary. So I would not directly answer her questions. I didn't, I don't claim to know all the answers, but I I, I, a lot of times, my, my main goal was to help people work on their relationship with God. And I said, well, you need, to, you need to think about who God is in your relationship to him. And I said, if you think of God as this wrathful, judgmental, uh, Zeus-like figure up in the clouds ready to throw thunderbolts at you, you will, ask, you will answer those, the questions you're asking in a very different way than if you see God as loving and benign, but not really able to help or not willing to help, or if you see God as this always ready to help and there for you and support you, whatever the situation is, you'll answer the questions very different from in that way too. So I gave her this freedom just to think and to 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 process all these information. So we'd talk about Bible stories and I would share my perspective and share my thoughts and people would share. We didn't always agree on everything in the room and that was okay. I always said, look, we're not here. We're here to learn from each other. We don't have to agree on everything. Well, so at the end, and she, she warmed up to this. She loved the Bible class. She enjoyed it. And the other women loved the fact that she asked questions that they either had never thought of or had thought of and were afraid to ask because they thought they were supposed to know the answer. Isn't but that she the would, way it always goes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, we're sitting in a room going, man, my question's dumb, regardless of what room you're in, school, yeah, business, whatever. Yeah. You're sitting there saying, man, my question's dumb. And then somebody raises their hand and they ask the same question. And someone's like, oh, that's a really good question. I'm glad you asked it. And you're like, hey, it was my question first. Like, right? <laughs> like, like I had a good question too. I just thought it was dumb. How many times have we experienced that? So I, I, yeah. I love that. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your story. Yeah, no, no, that's right. That's a good point. And <clears throat> uh, we, and I loved her questions. There are a lot of the same questions I had asked when I was in high school, you know, trying to figure things out. So after two years, she was going to be released. And she said to me the day before we had, we had the Bible study the day before she was going to be released. So I got to see her one last time. And she said, Mr. Early, I just want you to know something. I'm going home tomorrow. I want to thank you so much for your Bible class. It's helped me so much. When I came to prison, I was, um, really upset with myself because of my crime, obviously, I was estranged from my family. I hated God. I didn't believe in God basically anymore. And I was taking four or five different medications for depression. And now I'm off all my meds. I'm not taking, I'm not, I don't feel depressed anymore. I feel, I feel excited about my future and who I am. I have a renewed faith in God. I, my relationships with my family are, are 
much better or, or you know, whatever. And um, I've made, I, I've admitted my crime to myself. You know, I've made peace with the fact that, yes, I did this and I'm trying to make amends for that. And she said, it's all because of being in your Bible class. And it's like, well, I knew she had some issues, but I had no idea the extent of, I didn't know she was taking medication for for uh, depression, but she said, it's all done. It's all, it's all over. And it was because of just the love I think she felt. And I just respected her as a person back to our early conversation. I just was respecting her and treating her like a real person, a child of God that is worthy. And she responded to that. So I've had a lot of other people, maybe not quite so dramatic as that, but a lot of people have said, oh, Mr. Early, you have restored my faith in God, or you have you have made me um, feel good about myself, those kinds of things. And I didn't talk to them any differently than I'm talking to you right now. It's not like I felt some big thunderbolt of inspiration <laughs> and, and zap, zapping them with some spirituality. You didn't have a dancing chicken underneath, I, you know? No, no. <laughs> I, I was just treating them with love, uh, not just my love, but God's love, too. And, and they responded to that. So uh, I wish I could see the... Um, you know, the results after they get out. Actually, I know of one lady who um, she started a, um, a, an organization to help women who are coming out. She was in my Bible class for about 12 weeks one time. And she, you know, I do know that she's helping, trying to help other people that were in the same situation she was. So, um, I don't That's think awesome. I'm responsible for Yeah, I, I'm not responsible for that because she said that's what she wanted to do the first day I met her. But, you know, she she is, she appreciated the encouragement I gave her. I'll, at least I'll, I'll do, say that. You know, it's really interesting to me because what we're talking about on a base level when you strip around everything else is just the power of human connection and the power of being heard and seen and understood and feeling like you have the space and the room to explore yourself without judgment. And... And that's you, hard to do. I mean, I, I, I mean, I say, I mean, because we can all, I can still be very judgmental of someone and I have to catch myself. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a journey for sure, but to be on that journey and on that path, yeah, right. Yeah. And, and to acknowledge it. And then just, you know, there are so many people and I'm one of them in the past that would have thought of the end results uh, to determine whether it was worth it. So when you say you get to go into the prison and you get to work with these people and then you never get to see how it turns out, you know, I used to be the type of person that would judge whether it was worth my time based upon the outcome. And so if oh. I couldn't see the outcome, I would say, oh, I don't know that, like, why would I put my time here? Because I can't finish the job. Right. Mm. And, and this went through every single facet of my life. And I didn't realize it had gotten so bad to the point where I'm a huge people person. Yet when I would travel, I wouldn't have conversations with people in the airport. I wouldn't talk to people on planes because what's the point? I'm never going to see these people again. So why <laughs> is this worth my time? Right. And then I was having a conversation with somebody and we were talking about being in the moment and understanding that 
every single situation that you're in, that is the only time that you are ever going to be in that exact situation where the same people are involved and they're in the same mood and they have the same mindset and they're doing the same things. And even if you're meeting with somebody that you meet every single week, each meeting is the only time you're ever going to have that meeting, right? And and oh, the power right. of being in the moment and valuing the time that you have with somebody and understanding that every single connection and conversation with somebody has value. And it immediately shifted in my head. And I think of all the things that I had missed out on and all the things that you could have missed out on and these these individuals who got their life transformed could have missed out on if you had said, but why would I do this if I can't follow through and see the outcome? You know, I, I think that's a fascinating perspective. And I'm glad you shared. And I'm glad you shared that. Um, I think sometimes we don't say things also because we're afraid. We're afraid of what somebody else is going to think or we're afraid. Um, I mean, especially in my uh area of spirituality and religion, you know, I, I, sometimes you have to be careful the way that you introduce a topic because you might be talking to somebody that's very judgmental, uh, you know, theologically, but I have had some amazing conversations with people on airplanes and handed out my, my card with my podcast on it. And they have subscribed to my podcast um, or, or, or not. It doesn't matter. It has been, something that's blessed me or blessed them or blessed both of us. And, you know, it's, it's a very, not selfish in the sense of, you know, evil, but I mean, there can be a sense of selfish where you're just kind of absorbed in your own world. You're not yeah. hurting anybody, but you're, you're losing out on, on so, so much. much. Yeah. So much. So, Yeah. So speaking of your podcast, your podcast is called The Bible Speaks to You. And if individuals, now we're 46 minutes into this podcast, if they've made it this far, they're connecting with something that you're saying. <laughs> so if they're saying, I want to hear more of this, I, I really value your, in, your perspective on this. Where can they find your podcast and what should they expect in it? Okay. Thanks for asking. I appreciate that. Um, it's called The Bible Speaks to You. And just go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com. You can click on the podcast tab and you can either see all the episodes or you'll see the about page and tells a little bit about what I'm trying to do with the podcast. Uh, and of course, you can subscribe on any of the podcast uh, apps on your phone too. My goal with the podcast is to bring a fresh um, perspective to some of these Bible stories that some people know very well, and maybe you don't know them at all or very well. But um, I, my goal is to get back to the original spirituality and the teachings of Jesus. What did he practice? He said some things that the Christian church as a whole has not done very well practicing. We can say the words, but, you know, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, we've heard that phrase all the time in and out of the church. That's not always easy to do. He also says things like, love your enemies, pray for them, you know, forgive your enemies. That's really hard sometimes. So I'm trying to get back to that original message, that original Christianity of Jesus without the 2,000 years of things that we've added on in the last, well, 2,000 years. Uh, 
And so just in the last six months or so, I said earlier, I've had this sense of clarity about my, my message. And, and that is really digging into the mindset of Jesus. Uh, that's, that to me is what it's all about because Jesus actually said, he, I mean, he did all these amazing things. He healed people, he helped people, he loved people, and he went against the uh, religious authorities of the day uh, because he was, he was just speaking truth. I mean, that's, that's my perspective. Uh, and so what was his mindset? What was he thinking when he said these things? when he did these things, when he loved the people that were the social outcasts, the religious outcasts, which is probably even worse, uh, that were condemned by the religious authorities as unworthy or you're not even supposed to talk to them. He went to them. He, 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 he talked to them. He touched the lepers, which you weren't supposed to do, and he healed them, and he just loved them. And so what kind of mindset did he have to do that? That's kind of what I'm getting at. And so what I hope that you will um, hear and find in the podcast if you listen, and I hope you, I encourage you to, um, is that you can do these things too, to some degree. Jesus expected us to be able to follow his example. He actually said, if you believe in me, then you can do all these things too. Uh, well, that sounds pretty, you know, bodacious to say, well, I can do what Jesus did. <laughs> but, <laughs> But that's what he, that he expects us to follow his example. And, you know, maybe you're not into Jesus and that's fine. Maybe you're another religion uh, that that's fine. But I think the, and I'm not, I'm not trying to convert anybody to Christianity. I, I am trying to engage you in the ideas and where I like to start is what's called the sermon on the, the, the sermon on the Mount, which is chapters five, six, and seven in the gospel of Matthew. And these are just basic teachings that sort of give us a window into how Jesus was thinking and how he wanted us to live. And so just give, you know, look at, look at that. If you're going to listen to my podcast, I would recommend going back to episodes one, two, and three, that kind of gives an overview of really what I'm trying to accomplish, and then see if there's anything else that looks interesting. The episode this week is asking the question, what if there's a spiritual Olympics? You oh know? my gosh, that sounds really interesting. So, you know, I'm try, I try to take a creative approach to how we can apply the ideas in our own life. Yeah, I that's one of the things that I think we connect with and we're we're coming to the end of of our time and I want to I want to ask you a few questions um about, you know, success and all that stuff that I'm supposed to talk about on this podcast. Um <laughs> I I remember though and this is something you very much remind me of. Um we just finished a series in my church called Voices and it was a 6-week series that was designed to help you understand that no matter what position you're in in life, you have a voice and your voice is meant to be heard. Oh, nice. So to do this, um, our main pastor didn't teach anything for six weeks and we had six different pastors come in and all teach a different lesson. And then the very last week was five junior pastors that worked in different areas and were up and coming and they each did five minutes and it was 25 minutes of five minutes a piece. And I thought it was really cool to get to see everybody's background and how they connected. And, you know, sometimes, especially when you come from a place where I come from, where everybody is kind of born into this 
religion, um, you forget that there are people who find this later in life. And um, one of the guys said, you know, I wasn't really religious. I wasn't, I wasn't spiritual. I had completely lost that part of my life. And then I found out I was going to be a father. And somebody says, you know, you should probably go to church because they'll help you teach your kid not to like lie and steal and kill people. And he's like, well, those all sound like good things. So maybe yeah. I should check this church thing out. Right. And I think that that is the mentality that you embrace so much that cuts through all of the bureaucratic bullcrap that exists of, you know, believe what you want, have the beliefs that you want. That's fine. But let's all agree that, you know, killing people's bad. And maybe we should like say hi to our neighbor every once in a while. And, and so that's <laughs> where I think the value, we, there's so much value in what you do, but that's one of the, the things that sticks out at me. So with that being said, I ask every single guest of this podcast, because I believe that we only become successful if we take the time to define what success means to us, that it is an intentional decision that's made to move us closer and closer to our goal. So for you, what does success mean on a macro level, this big, you know, 5,000 foot view, and then also on a micro level in every single day level? Wow. That's such a good question. Um, and I love your definition that you just shared. I think on the macro level, it would be discovering through the journey of life, discovering that, um, that uniqueness of who I am, what my purpose is, what God's purpose for me is. I really do believe that God has created each one of us in a unique way. And to discover how he sees me, how, um, and I use the male pronoun, I think of God as feminine as well, how she created me. Um, so, so to me, success is doing what God wants me to do. That's a, that, that, and, and, and it takes a sense of humble, you know, well, eating a lot of humble pie sometimes. Well, because too many times people say, oh, what do I want to do with my life? What is, you know, and, and that's maybe a place to start, but at some point I have no idea what's best for me. I could have done lots of different things. I have a lot of talents, I have a lot of interests. Well, I've every step of the way, I, my little prayer has been, God, just prepare me for whatever you have prepared for me. And so here I am, this very circuitous route to doing something where I feel like I'm finally put, pulling all these things together and doing what I'm really created to do. Down on a micro level, uh, how micro do you want to go? So particularly what I'm thinking, and thank you for asking, because that wasn't a very well-worded question. Um, every day, you know, we don't, we don't wake up one day and say, oh my gosh, I'm successful. I met my big definition of success. We reach it by these little baby steps, right? So right. every single day, how do you measure whether your day was a success? Oh, that's really a good, nobody has ever asked me that question before. I love that because usually it's just that macro view that somebody wants. But uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, um, there's several things I would say that make me feel successful. One is I try to start my day with some quiet, prayerful time where I'm just not reading or studying or writing. I'm just quiet 
talking to God, listening to God. And, uh, and I also do a lot of Bible study and stuff, but some days I really feel that connection more than others. And so, um, why I don't necessarily know I could, you know, but those days that I really feel, I just feel it in my, in my body, this connection of, of, of being connected with God. It's just a, it's a, it's a wonderful feeling. And so that's one aspect of the success. Then, okay. At some point you've got to get out of your prayer chair and get on, get on with your, your day. I mean, there are some people who would argue with that. There are some monks that argue you never got to get out of your prayer chair. But, but see, that's the path that they have chosen. Yes. And that's different. I have not chosen that path. I mean, I could not do my podcast or write my book. Well, maybe, but I'm on my computer with that, you know, from my prayer chair there, I could not work in my garden in my prayer chair. Sometimes success is I got the weeds pulled in my garden, which sometimes like, and, and tell me if I'm, if, if you feel the same way, because I find this sometimes like the garden and I'm using garden because that's your term. I stay as far away from gardens as possible because everything (laughs) dies. Um, but the garden becomes your prayer chair, right? Like you're sitting there. Oh my gosh, it's true. For me, it's the dog park. Like the dog park becomes my place to meditate and connect with something bigger than myself. So I think it's interesting when you say I leave my prayer chair to go to this place that I associate with like nature and connecting and, and just. Oh, it really is. And I mean, the garden is so full of metaphors, like. I may had to make this sieve, this sieve to get the rocks out of the soil. It's just like two feet by two feet and with some screen on it. And I, I get all the rocks out. And I'm thinking as I'm doing that, oh, this is what God is doing to me. He's <laughs> sifting me and getting all the the hard parts, you know, out. Whoa, and so that's uh, a perspective shift, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And so, uh, so success on a daily basis is: Have I been loving? Have I treated my wife and my the people I meet with respect, uh, have, have I gotten the things that, I mean, I, I never get everything accomplished. I want to No, there's not everything on the check off list that gets done, but have I made an honest try? Have I made some progress? I like that word. Did I make progress on the path today? Uh, and sometimes you That's get to the answer. end of a certain task and you can actually check it off and you say, Oh, that feels good. But you know, sometimes just pulling the weeds is like the major accomplishment. <laughs> Mowing the yard, you know, or, or yeah. washing, you know, keeping up with washing the dishes. I think all these things reflect what's going on in our mind of approaching a task. I used to hate to wash the dishes. My wife cooks and I clean up. She's a fabulous cook. And I say, use as many dishes as you need. I don't care how many pots and pans you get dirty. I'll clean them up. Well, and then I you're used like, to re- please make a one pot dish. <laughs> yeah, no, and sometimes she does, but sometimes, you know, but then whatever. So I used to resist washing the dishes because I felt like, why do I have to do all this? Well, I knew why I had to do it, uh, but now I enjoy it. And it's not a chore. It's just part of a successful day, you That's know? That's amazing. I, I mean, and, and, and I'm going to say it's so interesting because, um, <laughs> 
All right. Moment of vulnerability here. I listened back to a ton of my podcasts and realized that I used amazing as a filler word. And so I was like, okay, I can't say that word anymore. And then I get on a podcast with somebody like yourself that says and that's really amazing. amazing things. And I'm like, no, that's amazing. But it really is like, it's not that's a filler okay. word amazing. It's just amazing. So yeah. it's, it's interesting. Um, and, and I, I, I absolutely love those definitions, both the macro and the micro. Uh, I really appreciate the time that you spent with us. I want to take just a couple minutes, wrap up with a quick random round and let everybody get to know you just a little bit. Are you okay with that? Oh, I guess I am. Sure. All right. If you could do anything other than what you're doing now, what profession do you think would be fun to attempt? Oh my gosh. Um, maybe being a professional photographer. I can see it. Yeah, because you get it. you get to know people, you try to bring out things in themselves that they don't see, kind of back what we were saying earlier, yeah. but uh, catching them in the right light, not just literally, but uh, metaphorically and spiritually, because when you can catch something in the, I mean, the light makes a good photograph. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. And just catching those candid moments that they would never be able to appreciate otherwise. I, I see that in you 100%. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you could time travel, where would you go and why? <clears throat> well, I would say two things. First, I would time travel back to when my son was in middle school and do some things differently when he <laughs> got his first computer. <laughs> uh, we would, I would have a few more, um, uh, guidelines for <laughs> the way he was interacting on because that sort of got him in a place that wasn't necessarily best for I mean he's a great kid he's very successful with what he's doing but uh it sort of estranged him from the family a little bit and and so other than that um do you mean to make a difference or just to be an observer either. I obviously answer oh either um if uh, an observer is fine Okay. Well, now, okay. So would I, would I get to come back with yes. the knowledge that I get? Oh, okay. Yes. You have your DeLorean. You get to set the time for whatever okay, you want and come, back. and come back. Well, um, I think I would probably go back to the time of Jesus and, uh, you know, see what I could learn directly from him. I love it. So I'm laughing because, First of all, nobody's ever asked me if they could come back before. So it's like, hey, I want to go to this place, but I don't want to get stuck here. So right. before I give you my answer, like, do I get to come back? So thank you for that. And second, if you didn't say that, I was going to be really disappointed because that's what I expected you to say. That's what I thought. Like, oh, this, this would be great. Um, I disappointed is the wrong word. Shocked, maybe. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay. So other than the Bible, um, what resource do you think is necessary for every person, religious or not, that wants to be a better human? I've got two. One of them is religious. Is that okay? Of course. Okay. One of them is a, a book that was written first in 1875, and it's uh, it's called Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures. It's a um, it's really a textbook on uh, on spiritual healing and understanding God in a way that 
that healing is not a an a, um, a miracle, but as something that we can practice today. Uh, the other one, uh, there's so many other books. Uh, I read a book recently, and we're going to read it in my wife's and my book club. It's called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. It is such a good book because it it helps you realize, you know, we're just about to excel in something and then we pull ourselves back or we shoot ourselves in the foot or we sabotage ourselves. And he calls these upper limits. And uh, he, he, he walks you through the process of getting past these barriers that you've set for yourself, either consciously or unconsciously. And it happens to very successful people as well as, you know, anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And so reading that made me realize that, okay, there's some issues in my life that every time I get to a certain place, I just don't go farther for whatever reason. And it's, I haven't solved all those problems yet, but I'm aware of it. And that's kind of the first step, but that's a really wonderful book. I love it. Love it. Okay. And last question. I am a music nerd. And so I always have to ask people, what's your pump up song? What do you listen to, to put yourself in the mindset that you want to be in for a day? Oh gosh. It's probably a hymn from church. Uh, I, you wouldn't I be the have, first to give me one. There's several hymns I sing. Uh, there's one that says, this starts off, God is working his purpose out. As year proceeds to year, God is working his purpose out. And and that just helps me realize that there's something bigger going on than me trying to get my life together. Yeah. God is, I, I like to think of God as the divine choreographer. And we kind of have to be willing to go along with that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, instead of trying to make, instead of just trying to make things happen yourself. So anyway, that's, that's what I'll say. That's not the best answer, but. <laughs> no, it's great. James, as always, I feel like the last hour that we've spent together has been incredible. And I always leave with information and shifts that I didn't have before. So thank you so much for sharing your miss- mission message and voice with my audience. I appreciate it. Well, thanks so much. It's been a delight. I uh, I love the way this conversation just was so fluid and organic and I had no idea where we were going to go with it, but I, I got a lot. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's fun to have a real conversation because it doesn't happen as much as it should. Back to that connection thing you were talking about. So thank you so much for letting me be on your podcast. And uh, I, uh, I hope all of you who are listening have, have, have been helped by something that Amber and I said. And uh, I'd love to connect. So please uh, check out my podcast and I'd love to hear from you and, um, I would say to anybody listening, if you do listen to my podcast, if you have any questions about the Bible or or whatever, be in contact with me. I respond to all my emails and uh, I'm here to be of help to you in any way I can. Awesome. And we'll put all of your contact information in the show notes. It is the best way for them to find your email address on your website for your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Just click, click the contact tab. That's the best Perfect. way to get hold of me. Perfect. Good. James, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. If anything that was said during this episode resonated with you or provided value in any way, it would mean the world to me if you would head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the More Than Corporate Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you. If you'd also like to connect, I've created a Facebook group that is full of amazing people who also make it their mission to live their best life every single day. If that sounds like something that you're interested in, the name of that Facebook group is Success Center. Head over there, request to join, and I look forward to connecting with you soon.